beat the Pacers last night. Will they ever lose again? That's how we start the show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the best damn sports talk in the Carolinas. We appreciate you being with us here on a Tuesday afternoon. KB and Smoke, you can find us on the phone lines, 704-570-9610. Hit us up there on the FanDuel text line, 704-570-9610. And on Twitter, formerly Twitter, now X, at Kyle Bailey Club. It's at Kyle Bailey, C-L-U-B. We've got uh, a lot of good stuff to get to here on the course of this Tuesday show. Nick Carboni in 39 minutes. We will talk about them Hornets beating the Pacers, winning two straight. And I saw somebody earlier say, good Lord, people are acting like the Hornets are about to make the playoffs or, or win the title. Well, I get it. But, you know, given how bad things have been around here for a while now, um, I'll take two wins in a row. And it at least looking like hey, Bradley Blanks just said it. KB, the buzz is back. Uh, at least temporarily, there is a buzz back in the arena. I swear, the, the bar is so low right now when it comes to Charlotte professional basketball. And I mean that respectfully because I, I think the lid will come off this place if the Hornets ever actually truly get it together and keep it together. But, you know, you you substitute out a whole bunch of players that, I mean, well, some players that clearly didn't want to be here, and you bring in some pros, and lo and behold, the product looks wildly different. They look like a professional team. They're playing defense. They held the Pacers to, um, you know, Way, way less than the Pacers normally score. <laughs> I think their average is 117. Hornets held them to 102. I believe held them to 15 points below their season average. It's just a bunch of adults playing ball. And by the way, LaMelo's not even out there right now. Um, you had a Trey Mann, Cody Martin backcourt last night. It's good enough. I, I, listen, I get it. Hey, this is so it's pitiful. You know, we're celebrating two wins. They've got 12. I get it. But man, if you like basketball and if you like the Hornets, You've just been looking for a reason to watch and care and be entertained because it's just kind of felt like comatose basketball for about a year and a half now. And the last couple of days, last couple of times out, it's been fun. And as sports fans, isn't like our baseline request fun and entertaining? We want titles. We want front office competence. We want good roster building. We want a good in-arena atmosphere and so on and so forth down the line. But isn't like the most basic fundamental element of being a fan? Hey, can you just make it a fun experience? Because if you do that, you know, we're probably going to keep coming back. And the last couple of times out have been fun. And it's also interesting that, you know, before these trades were made, you had essentially Miles Bridges and Brandon Miller kind of trading baskets, trading shots offensively. Nobody else was doing much of anything. Um, but now you got the ball being distributed. You don't you don't see Miles Bridges having to score 41, 45. You know, it's fun to watch Brandon Miller score 35 to prove that he can do it. But, you know, suddenly it doesn't have to be that way. So they beat the Pacers last night, 111-102. They beat a good team that's incredibly gifted, efficient, and talented offensively. Uh, Pascal Siakam still got his 18. They got uh, 22 from Turner, 21 from Nesmith. Um, I mean, but the, the on the other side with the Hornets, same thing. All five scorers in double figures. And then you get to the bench. Then you get to the bench where last night they scored 44 points. 44 points to 18 for Indiana. That script has been flipped all year long, right? All year long, we looked down at a box score. Like, if you didn't watch the game, let's see what them sorry-ass Hornets did last night. You open up the box score, you're like, oh, they scored nine points on the bench. The bench gave them nine. Great. You can't win. You can't win like that. And then, Sorry, I'm just fired up. And then you, you, you see last night, like, oh, you got 44 off the bench. You get 21 from Providence Day alum Grant Williams, who some are calling today our Draymond Green, which I'm not sure. 
elements of it. I'll take elements of Draymond Green, but I like his professionalism. I like his grown-upness, which is not a word, but we're going to roll with it. And uh, I, I just like Grant Williams being here. And he gives him 21 off the bench. And Seth Curry, you know, I think there were nerves, understandably. Night one for Seth in, on Saturday, wearing number 30, coming home to Charlotte. He hit just the one shot, but he followed it up last night with 18 points on 7 of 11 shooting, 2 of 5 from deep. He and Williams combined for 39 off the bench. There's your bench production right there. They scored 39 of the bench's 44 points last night. And, and then you add all five starters and double figures. You've given yourself a chance to win. You've given yourself a chance to win. And again, I, it's, I, I'm more invested than most in that. What I mean by that simply is I got to be there for all 82, right? I'm doing the pregame show for all 82 for the most part, unless I'm on paternity leave, which happens quite a bit. I get that. But I'm there for all 82. I just really want to have some fun and watch some entertaining professional basketball. And they're giving us that right now. And I don't know how long it's going to last. Uh, I don't know if the injury bug is going to strike this group, too. Let's knock on all the available wood. But for the here and now, I'm in. Smoke Ludwig, you've been through a lot. You've suffered throughout the course of Hornets history. You're a broken man in many ways. It's only two games. But have you enjoyed yourself? Uh, essentially, I've been the last couple of weeks, I've been like, or the last couple of days, excuse me, I've been like, huh, huh, oh. That's essentially been the noise. I've been like Tim Allen, Tim the Tool Man. In home improvement, I've been making all these noise, but it's positive. Uh, <laughs> you mean we can have a bench? Yes. We're allowed to have that in the NBA? Yes, you can. Oh, my gosh. Even in Charlotte, you are permitted to have a productive, functional bench if you'd like. You don't have to. Okay. Right? It's It's been it's been a while. I'd say at least since the uh, Borrego year, but I'd even go far back. The last time they had a bench that was worth a damn, really, was the year they won 48 games. I I. Kyle, I almost forgot. I felt like we're we're gonna get a Briante Weber. Uh, does uh, you know Nathan Mensa gonna be playing a lot off the bench? Stop, uh, it. Stop it. Yeah, yeah. Let's not do that. Yeah, let's not. That's do essentially that. what we've been seeing off the bench for the latter part of the last. Well, eight no, years. Go ahead. For the last several weeks, we've been watching them. Hey, we got to go to the bench. We're going to, you know, we're going to James. But no, we're not going to Book Night. We're going to Bryce McGowan's, and I'm not trying to pick on Bryce McGowan's, but like he's not going to elevate this team. And well, where are we going to go next? Who are we going to go to? Omari Bailey's up now. Let's go to that. Let's give him a shot. No, there's real grown-ups on the bench. That is, that's nice to see. Like if you're just a basketball fan, I saw somebody last night again in my mention saying, "Oh, they still have 12 wins. Who cares? You're getting excited." Yeah, but I like basketball, and I would like for the local professional team that I host a pregame show for to get its act together because pro basketball is fun when it's good. So please just give me some more of that. That's all I like. And on top of that, now we get to have an actual fun discussion about which of these guys will be on the roster next year. And I'm starting to wonder if it might, it might be all of them, <laughs> given the way they're playing right now. I mean, I can't – you trade for Seth Curry. He's a shooter in his early 30s who I think also provides a stable and still needed veteran locker room presence. Um, you've gotten Grant Williams here for a similar purpose. I mean, some have talked about him as, you know, P.J. Washington light or a P.J. Washington alternative or a Draymond Green light. I don't care. I just I want him. I think Grant Williams will be here and I think he should be here. Now, as far as the others go, Bertans, shooter, early 30s, doesn't offer you much in the way of defense. I, I think he can be useful, but I don't know. All of a sudden, Vasily Micic, he's 30 years old. I don't think you're letting that guy go. Based on, but here's the other thing about that. I was thinking about that this morning, too. He's a great story right now. Um, Del Curry told us yesterday that he turned to, to Eric Collins last week when they played at OKC and told EC, hey, that guy can play. And Eric said, what do you mean? What are you talking about? How do you know? 
And he said, I just, I'm just watching the way he carries himself, the way he you know, plays with the ball, the way he does this, that, and the other. And Dell was like, he can play. I know he can. And even Oklahoma City said, well, we just don't have minutes for him. So that's part of the reason they were willing to deal him. Former EuroLeague Player of the Year, kind of like a Chiro Suzuki, um, in that he accomplished pretty much everything he could overseas and wanted to try his hand in the NBA. And he gets here, and it's like, oh, this, this dude can hoop. I don't know how many more productive, functional, healthy years he's got left to play at, at an NBA level, but he can hoop. And for the here and now, I'm not letting him go anywhere. And then there's Trey Mann, you know, who's already showing out a bit since he showed up. So they got some good options here. Trey Mann, by the way, last night, 11 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists. Few too many turnovers for my liking, but that I, I can forgive that. Shot 5 of 11 from the field. The Trey Mann smoke has already been productive since he got here, and you love to see that. We've been moaning and groaning about the backup point guard and who's running the offense when LaMelo's off the floor. And now all of a sudden, you got when LaMelo gets healthy, you got Melo, Trey Mann, and Vasily Micic. I think you can keep all three, and that's a pretty good spot to be in. Yeah, and with Beach, it's understandably so. We got lost in the sauce on Saturday just because we had no expectation for him because we didn't even know who he was. And then we see him making these behind-the-back no-look passes. And, you know, he was still pretty solid last night, not as flashy of a night uh, on Monday. But, you know, Trey Mann was the core piece of that trade. And you look what he's done. He's been quietly efficient outside of the turnovers. I mean, he he damn near had a triple-double last night. And the thing that really has shocked people is the fact that, you know, he was not really known as an assist passer when he was an OKC. So far, nine assists, seven assists in his first two games as a Hornet. He's just been quiet, quiet, but in a good way, where he's doing his thing. And he's not the sexy type of guy you want to mention as one of the first names. And he's just doing, he knows his role, it seems like, and he's doing it well right now. And that's the biggest positive. I'm, I'm with you on that. Bebop from Rock Thrill checking in says they're going to make the play-in game, KB. The thing about that is, it's funny, there are already a few people out there, oh, they're going to blow this tank, they're going to blow their chance to land the number one overall pick. I, I can live with it. I, I just... Have they seen how... Have you seen this draft? <laughs> like, I'm not saying there's no... Like, I just really started to dig into the draft a couple of days ago. I really did. Like, I did some spare moments. Like, I looked at a mock draft, I pulled one up, and I was like, let me check out some of these Euro guys that they're telling me are really good. And I watched it, and I was like, eh... I mean, they look like good basketball players, but I don't know if any of these guys look like uh, franchise changers. Not like uh, the top two of last year's draft. Like this is a, this is one of those drafts where it's very realistic that the best player in it goes like eleventh or something. Is this what is it seems lot, like. Yeah, this is a lot like 2013, where people were like Anthony Bennett, Victor Oladipo, Cody Zeller, no or not Noah Vonley, but uh, Nerlens Noel. Who's the number one pick? I mean, you go back and when Cody Zeller got booed during that draft, the Bobcats, as Collins told us many times. The Bobcats had like six cutouts potentially for who was the traffic because they had no idea. This is what this draft is. And guess what? Who was the best player in that draft? A person hardly anyone was thinking about in Giannis Adenokounmpo. Yeah. What do you went 15th? 15th? Yeah. yeah. 15th. Yeah. Yeah. First pick outside the lottery. So this is one of those drafts most likely. So I don't really care. Would, would it be nice to have a guy like Sar? Yeah. But I'm not like, oh my God, Sar. But the next guy that's even close to getting like hype is. Cooper flag and that's in 2025. I mean, like, yeah, okay. I was going to say for this, like this draft, Ron Holland is, I mean, I've seen him mock to the Hornets a couple of times, but I, I mean, okay. I'm not, I'm not putting my job on the line saying if we don't get this guy, it's over. Oh no, this isn't one of those drafts. No. And I watched some Ron Holland over the weekend. I don't want to get that too down the rabbit hole on this year's draft. Cause there's, there's no reason for that. But like, I watched some Ron Holland this week to get a sense of what we're looking at there because I'd seen him mock to the Hornets a couple of times and I'm like, all right, I, I mean, I, I see it. 
Um, you know, G League Ignite averaged 17 and a half a game. That's cool. Uh, you, you see a good frame. You, you see a guy who has some pretty good basketball instincts. Uh, you know, a dude who can get off the floor pretty well, but I, I don't see elite. I, I don't see franchise changer. I Listen, I'm not a scout. I don't evaluate for a living, but I've seen enough basketball where it's like, I, I don't see anything there that you need to go throwing the rest of the season for it. No, <laughs> I mean, especially when you're starting to grow an actual culture. Like, I, I know it's only two games, but you can already tell there's a major difference inside that locker room to feeling. I mean, you saw LaMelo celebrating with Seth Curry last night. Grant Williams is a veteran. Like, he's 25 years old, but he acts like he's 35. I mean, he's already the VP of the Players Association, for crying out loud. Like, the culture is changing. And if that helps get more wins in spite of losing a couple draft picks in this draft, I'm all for it. Yeah, I think most people can live with that. 704-570-9610. Hornets win again last night. Will they ever lose again? We'll keep talking about it. And the Super Bowl smashed all-time ratings records do we have to do we have to attribute that to taylor swift and the swifties sports radio 92.7 wfnz this is nick richards of the charlotte hornets you're listening to kyle billy on sports radio 92.7 wfnz the exclusive home of the charlotte sports fan and i brought my And talking sports, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, KB and Smoke with you. Uh, You know, figuratively speaking, sitting on a stump, talking into a microphone, having a good time. The Hornets won again last night. Uh, Super Bowl ratings through the roof. We got some Carolina Panthers talk to get to and uh, some big college football news. I, I did the math earlier. We are six and a half months away from college football returning. I know, Smoke, it feels like way too long. Six and a half months away from the return of college football. But we got some big news that the CFP and ESPN agreed on a six-year, $7.1 billion deal moving forward on the 12-team college football playoff. So, uh, yeah, it's it's big news there. Obviously, some coaching news to get to. All of that throughout the course of the show. Nick Carboni, NBC Charlotte, in about 22 minutes to talk about the Hornets. We'll talk about the local stuff. Oh, by the way, Duke holding off Wake Forest last night. Congrats to your boy, Smoke. That was a uh, a solid win for John Shire. Boy, he did some stump work last night, really praising that win, talking about how good Wake Forest was. It is a good win, um, but and especially during the second half, I thought Duke did a really good job on the defensive end. Very physical game, and I think that's exactly what Duke needed. I know their physicality with the bigs have been questioned specifically from Chris Mack recently. So for Shire, and, and more particular, Mark Mitchell, I mean, that's the offensive game we've been waiting to see for Mark Mitchell the last two games, honestly. And the fact that he's shooting the three ball, it's like, okay, even though it's not a beautiful shot, it's it's working for him now. All that counts is whether or not it goes in. Yeah. Uh, Jared McCain's emergence has been uh, really Ooh. important for Duke. Check these numbers out, by the way. Uh, you probably know this already. As of After last night, the Blue Devils have won 25 straight games at home against Wake Forest. 25 straight. That's crazy. I'm sorry. Um, at Cameron Indoor. Uh, Duke's defense last night held Wake Forest to 11 point, nearly a dozen points under its season average. That's how good Duke's defense was last night. And uh, I saw Wake's now 0-4, I believe, in quad one opportunities this year. Is that right? On the road? Yes, and they have struggled in quad one opportunities since Forbes has been there. Forbes is now 2-24 and versus quad one teams. That's the stat I think that's going to get him fired when it's all said and done. He just, they can't seem to come up with the big win. And again, I know John Shire was stumping last night after the game. Like, I don't care what anybody says. That's, that's a tournament team. 
You know, it doesn't matter. If you look statistically, analytically, all that stuff, they're really like a top 25. To, I mean, really selling the win last night. And Wake Forest is good. Like, we're, we're Steve Forbes fans around here. I do think they're good. I think they're a well-coached team. They just seem to always come up short so far in the Steve Forbes era with the in, in these big opportunities. I can also see, though, them getting Duke back at the Joel. Oh, I, I wouldn't be shocked I by it. No, I wouldn't be shocked by it. So we got a lot of news today. We'll talk more about that with Brendan Marks of The Athletic. He covers Duke and Carolina. Uh, Duke won last night. Carolina-Syracuse tonight. We'll talk about that. Bayheim's on the call for this one tonight, right? If I'm not mistaken. Smoke, I believe we got, what, Wes, Corey, and, and Bayheim for this one? Is that right? I believe so. We'll double-check that. We'll double-check that. 704-570-9610. So we'll put a pin in all that. We're talking Hornets to start the show. Uh, they went again last night, two in a row since the trade deadline, and a revamped roster. Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, P.J. Washington, Frank Nilakina, James Booknight, Ish Smith, like a half a dozen players purged from the roster on Thursday. In comes Bertans and Mann and Michich and Grant Williams and, and Seth Curry, and all of a sudden, they look like a professional basketball team. And, and people are allowed to have fun with this, by the way. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of gatekeeping fandom. And so I'm just going to put it out there. Let people enjoy this. I'm still seeing some of, oh, you're acting like they're going to win a playoff series, KB. Oh, yeah. You're talking like they're going to win a champ. No, I'm, I'm talking about what hopefully is a turning point for the Hornets. Like, we watched James Borrego's Hornets build over a couple of years. Um, I still believe that Borrego got the rug pulled out from under him, but that's neither here nor there. And then it was just an avalanche of injuries after bringing Steve Clifford back, then more injuries, and it's just felt hopeless for a while. And so, no, they're not going to the playoffs this year. They're not winning a title this year. They're not winning anything of significance this year. But they've started the process of, and I got to credit Sam Farber for this the other night on the pregame show. You know, he said that um, he didn't use the word rebuild, retool. I think I'd use the word reorganize earlier that day. But Sam said, we're going to refocus the roster around Brandon Miller and LaMelo Ball. I'm like, I like that word. We're going to refocus the roster around what we think the core is now. And so this is the start of that. They're winning right now. They look like a professional basketball team. That's all fun. Now we get to look at it and say, okay, who stays next year? Who are they keeping? I think Grant Williams is a no-brainer personally. I think Trey Mann is a no-brainer. I'd like to believe Seth Curry is a no-brainer, assuming he wants to play here next year. And probably Vasily Micic, who I would assume wants to continue his journey in the NBA. There's no way I'm letting that guy go unless he just falls off the table the rest of the way. So, you know, that's all. I said, Panthero just said, Charlotte sports fans just don't know how to process good things, KB. Um, it's fair. It's been a while. Yeah, when, when you have some sports trauma in your background, it can be tough to accept good things. I understand that, and I'm I'm trying to be understanding of it. But just enjoy the fun stuff. Just enjoy it. Uh, 704-570-9610. Real quick, Texter says here how much he loved watching Grant Williams in high school. Where'd that go? Oh, somebody said loved watching Grant Williams in high school. And then he said... Uh, I think he said, you know what he used to do between games and AAU? His homework. (laughs) You can hear it. You know, when you listen to Grant Williams, and this goes back years, really sharp, thoughtful guy. So I'm not surprised by that characterization at all. Uh, Speaking of Grant, we have one on the phone lines that wants to talk Hornets, and I'm assuming that it's not Grant Williams, though I guess it could be. Grant, what's going on, man? Afternoon, man. Good topic today. Thank you. Uh, Hadn't talked to you guys in a while, but last night – we were uh, Miss Potter, as y'all know, Queen of the Universe. Yep. Said, "Hey, buddy, the Hornets are on. I think we should watch them with the new kids." Because after about five or six games into the season this year, she said, "This is unwatchable basketball. I don't care to watch it." 
he used to make sure we had our Hornet shirts on, everything on game days. So last night we flipped it over. Brandon Miller looks like he's a third-year pro, calm, cool, and collected. Everybody was engaged, and they looked like they gave a crap, like what you were saying. The other guys, I, I like PJ and all that, but they didn't give a crap. They got where, where we're losing by 30. Who cares? I'm getting paid. Yep. Oh, that you could feel that through the TV, couldn't you? Yeah. I, I, I hate getting on the air and calling, saying, you know, accusing guys of quitting, not caring, rolling over, any variation of that stuff. Because, look, being a pro athlete is hard. Some guys are gifted, yeah. but it is hard. But man, when you, right. you but if you followed sports, covered sports, played sports to some you know level, you can see when guys don't care. And it couldn't have been more glaringly obvious that there was a lack of a care factor, you know, for weeks leading up to the deadline. And this feels just like a you know a, a cool breath of fresh air. Well, after about five or six games, when the Queen says, "Honey, buddy, this is unwatchable basketball," and I'm not wasting my time with it, change the channel. Love it. Thank you, Grant. Appreciate you, brother. Yep. Call me anytime. Uh, he mentioned Brandon Miller right there, how good he's become. A lot of you have heard this by now. Uh, but a guy who it's – is this official yet that he's joining uh, Doris and Mike Breen for the uh, ABC ESPN call of the NBA? Uh, the only thing we haven't seen is a press release, I don't think, but it's pretty much all. Okay, official. so we're talking about J.J. Redick, Duke legend, former ACC player of the year, now with ESPN, about to take the biggest chair there is in terms of color analyst alongside Mike Breen with Doris Burke. Um, apparently – uh, it was him and who else was on his pod? It was him and Tim Legler. Yes. They spent about 15 minutes talking about Brandon Miller on JJ's podcast, The Old Man and the Three. Here's part of it. I talked to I talked to some people in the Hornets organization. It's like, I can see this guy. I can see what I see on the court. What's this guy like? Here's, here's some words thrown around. Smart, great IQ, competitor, coachable, great teammate, detail-oriented detail oriented as a rookie come on man buy this yeah. guy's stock buy this guy's stock because it physically he has it skill wise he's ha he has it you have two of the three boxes checked if you've got it up here if you've got it in the mindset oh my gosh this guy's going to be an all-star all nba type player for years Agreed. that's how good Agreed. that's how good brandon miller can be all right jj Red look we got they got to play it out but jj reddick just said based on everything i've seen and i know and i'm hearing this guy looks like an all nba player for years to come it's nice to hear um even if you don't like jj or always agree with him jj knows ball and look if you've watched brandon miller for the last several weeks you've seen some glimpses of that already um del curry joined me yesterday on the show said the exact same thing Grant's going to be a voice in the locker room coming from uh, the Celtics and, and then Dallas where it didn't work out. Um, a lot of speculation there between him and Luca, but I know he's happy to be here. That was that, that was on me. I gave Smoke the wrong one. This is Del Curry on Brandon Miller's game so far. He's a hungry player, so I don't want to put a ceiling on his game. Uh, he's going to be a better facilitator as he gets uh, more experience in the game. I think the big thing for him is that he was able to get experience and play through his mistakes this year. The guy is, is hungry. He's a competitor. Uh, he wants to play every single night. He's already a voice in the locker room. We had him mic'd up, and you could tell he's a he, he is liked amongst his teammates. Uh, knockdown shooter. Now he's going to go to the All Star game, play in the Rising Stars, get to rub elbows with some other guys, talk 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 shop, talk basketball. Everything is lining up for him to be an All Star caliber player. 
for the Hornets for many years to come. There you go. Um, he, big Brandon Miller guy. Speaking of, Richard Petty, a.k.a. Richie, just said, KB, are you not worried about Brandon's reduced numbers the last two games? Not at all. First of all, there's there's more there's a cavalry there. Now the cavalry showed up on Saturday. So they can distribute the ball and you know other guys can eat. Second of all, he's a rookie. And even LeBron James hit a bit of a rookie wall at one point. He was a great rookie, but they all hit a rookie wall because they're not used to playing this schedule this many games. And Brandon Miller has looked exhausted out there at times the last two weeks because he's played a ton of minutes for a rookie. I I know a lot of you will say, "Oh, he's a young guy, young legs." No, sure. But it's still it's still a grueling schedule. So no, I'm not concerned at all because this guy still needs his first full off season in an NBA strength and conditioning program, and he's played more minutes than most rookies will play as a rookie in the NBA out of necessity. So no, I'm not worried about that at all. Seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. The Hornets have reorganized. They've refocused around what they think is the core. And before I take a phone call here, Bobby Marks of ESPN uh, went on air Friday right after the trade deadline and named the Hornets as one of the three teams whose uh, activity he liked the most. For me, it's Dallas. And I heard Jason Kidd say something about a week ago that you have to do everything possible when you have a player like Luka Doncic on your roster as far as finding the most talent to surround him. And I know there was two first-round picks that went out, but when you get Daniel Gafford and P.J. Washington in a trade and that upgrades your roster, uh, I look at Dallas as one of the, the one of the big winners today. And I think certainly another team is Oklahoma City. You know, getting Gordon Hayward in a trade, trading out three players that hadn't you know, weren't part of their rotation. Um, Hayward helps. It opens up, you know, certainly a potential max slot next uh, this offseason to go out and get a player before those uh, Chet Holmgren and uh, Jalen Williams extension starts in, in a couple uh, more years. And then a the third. I like what Charlotte did. They kind of know who they are. They embraced rebuilding. They made the Terry Rozier trade a few weeks ago. They got a first-round pick in 2027. And then they went out and, and did the P.J. Washington trade, and you get another first-round first pick here. Uh, they did the Hayward trade, and they got uh, two seconds back also. So I like what Charlotte did. You know, it's not going to win the headlines, but they know who they are. They've embraced rebuilding, and they're, they have an, uh, they have more of an identity than some of the teams that did not do a deal today. I t totally agree. That's what we've been saying all along, you know, in maybe different terms, as we talk talked about the misery that has been this season yeah but there still could be a very real silver lining or pot of gold at the end of the rainbow here um, although this hasn't been much of a rainbow because there's new ownership they're going to make changes and there appears to be at least two foundational pieces if not three to build around not every team has that coach Polly says the Hornets brass are only setting the chess pieces up for the incoming GM and coach to play with uh, now and for the future I, I like that characterization I think that's true. They've set up the next group well. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. Marquise is up next. He wants to talk about the Hornets. What's up, Marquise? What's going on, Kyle? Man, um, I'm looking at these last two games with this new roster, and um, I, I am optimistic about the future. But to be honest, Kyle, as a as a diehard Hornets and Panthers fan, I'm sort of unsatisfied at do we have to watch this team be competitive, but we have no chance of being in the playoffs. Like, why did it take Mitch so long to make these moves? To me, I've been complaining about how, yes, Terry can give you 20, 30 on a given night, but he has no defense, and he's always been, you know, the one they go at on the other end. We've been complaining about Gordon Hayward, 
Gordon should have been traded when he was on the court playing good, getting good praise. Why did it take so long to pull the trigger? Uh, PJ, you know, I, I understand why it took PJ a little bit of time, we, but come to find out he is inconsistent. You know, I as a GM, I feel like one of the priorities to being a GM is to optimize, you know, what you give the head coach. You know, that's, I feel like that's a prime word. You, you have to optimize these opportunities. And Mitch, I feel like it took him too long, and I'm curious to know why. He stepped down, you know, quotation mark. Oh, dude, this has been coming. This has been coming. I, and I can just tell you that right now. There there have been rumors that Mitch was headed toward retirement for two years now. Like, th- this is not a shock to anybody. And you know what? You know, I'm not complaining about the moves he made, but it seemed like he did all of the players' favors. Like, he, he sent Terry to where he always wanted to go. P.J. went back home. Gordon went through a good opportunity. Uh, you know, he, he couldn't control what Kyle Lowry did because he was bought out, but I'm pretty sure they communicated out that he wanted to go back to Philly. Like, and that's what I'm saying, optimize. I don't think he necessarily got the best deal for Terry. I'm pretty sure it was 27 other teams around the NBA. Not, I'm not saying all acquired for Terry, but was that necessarily the best deal for Miami, or is that because Terry was dying to go to Miami? You know, that's what I'm saying. Did he really optimize that value for Terry? I, like I said, I'm a passionate Hornets fan. I'm I'm riding with him now, but we could have – what, we 12 yeah. and 41, man? We could have been made a move. <laughs> now we have to watch these games and just, like you said – They were in a holding pattern. Riding. They're they're in a hold, I appreciate the phone call, brother. They were, they've been in a holding pattern. We've been waiting for Rick Schnell and Gabe Plotkin to do something. Here's another one, Smoke. All these wins are only hurting their lottery chances. Stop, man. Have you seen this draft? Or are you just trolling me? Did I just fall for it? Hopefully you just fell for it. Please, please. I mean, these wins are only hurting our lottery chances. This draft is, I started to say this draft sucks, and I feel like that's really disrespectful to the guys in it. So what I'm going to say is this draft is the polar opposite of last year's draft. Nobody knows who the best player in this draft is. Not even not only is there no consensus number one, consensus top two, or consensus top three, there's no consensus top anything in this draft. No, three of the top five are Euros. One of the others, I believe, is, is a G League Ignite guy in Ron Holland. Uh, there are some college players out there, but I mean, you t- these only these wins are only hurting our. No, they're going to land in the lottery. They're twelve and forty-one for God's sake. They're going <laughs> to land in the lottery somewhere. They might just they might not land number one, and that's okay because we never get number one around here. Right now, they have the four forest record. Yeah, right? it's going to be okay. I promise you. Let's go to smoke on the headlines. Who is smoke? Where is smoke? <laughs> Where there's smoke, there's fire. Let's go. AC just asked if we're going to draft DJ Burns. I'm going to guess not, personally. Oh, Lord. All right, what you got? All right, well, we start with some massive news. The Super Bowl on Sunday was the most watched telecast in CBS history with an average audience of 123.4 million People across all platforms, of course, CBS led the way of 120 million, and more than 200 million viewers watched all or part of Super Bowl 58 across the networks. The highest unduplicated total audience in history, and up 10% from last year's Super Bowl. Swift effect. What else would you control? What else would. Slow down here. To what else would you attribute an $8 million, $8 million viewer uptick? In viewership for a game that is already the most popular thing. Go eight million is a lot. That's also, a lot. 
I'd also say for as much as people say they hate dynasties, they uh, also want to watch those dynasties too. Yeah, well, people lie. People lie. They say they want Cinderella's in the Final Four and the Elite Eight, and then the ratings reflect that they don't. Right. People lie. Sports fans lie. Just a, It's just a fact of life. But that, I mean, think about that. That is the most watched broadcast in television history. That's amazing. It's the Swift effect. It has to be. I mean, how many daughters and wives and others that, you know, otherwise didn't care about the game were suddenly tuned in? I think it's awesome. I think that's great. Oh, by the way, the day after this happened, Paramount Global, the parent company of CBS, they laid off 3% of its workforce. <laughs> uh, yeah. Corporations. What, what you got over there? All right. Well, here's an eerie stat for you. Seth Curry has now played two games for the Hornets. He's averaged 10.5 points per game thanks to 18 points last night and averaged 1.5 steals. Dale Curry's first two games with the Hornets averaged 10.5 points per game and up steal and a half per game. You know what I'm going to say? Yeah. What am I going to say? We live in the Matrix. We live in the Matrix. That is correct. We'll come back. Nick Carboni, NBC Charlotte Sports Director, Sports Anchor next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Coming up Wednesday morning on the Mac and Bone Show, we recap the ACC hoops from Tuesday, including Heels and Syracuse. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Your dad mentioned on the broadcast that this is still so surreal for him, calling a game with his son on the same team. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to believe. It's fun. Like I, I said earlier, I always dreamed of playing here, putting his jersey on, but um, kind of living in the moment right now and just having fun with it while uh, getting a chance to get back out here and compete and play some basketball. Seth Curry, he's home in Charlotte. He's got two games under his belt. The second was better than the first, but the Hornets won them both. 2-0 since the trade deadline. The Hornets are suddenly fun to watch again. Uh, we are talking about that, these massive Super Bowl television ratings. Still a bit more on the game, by the way, um, and, and some of the implications of it. A whole lot of good stuff to get to. We got Panthers free agency, college hoops. Eric Spanberg is coming up in 35 minutes to talk about it all. So we got a busy, busy show. Here on a Tuesday, we appreciate you being with us. Um, and real quick, as I bring in a TV guy, uh, I mentioned the Super Bowl ratings, asking the question, look, is it really a question? This was the Taylor Swift effect. Uh, whether you hate her, love her, indifferent, we should all be able to acknowledge that a global, the global pop superstar, uh, preeminent, bigger than all of them, bringing in the audience that she did, this is likely what's to, it's what we should attribute what is now being referred to as the most watched television event in history. That's what Variety says. Now, um, my guy on the text line, the bagel guy, pushed back and he said, wait a minute, you mean domestically, right? Because I'm pretty sure the World Cup, so on and so No, I mean, they're saying it's the most watched television event in history, uh, the most watched since Apollo 11. Let's bring in a TV guy. He's probably got the answer here. Nick Carboni, NBC Charlotte, sports director, sports anchor. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You're a TV guy. Is it the most watched TV event in, in history? What, what's the correct way to phrase this? I think that's how they're framing it. So I guess, you know, we, we can go with that. I'm not sure on the World Cup that's probably something that would, you know, likely be able to rival that or, you know, be be a little bit ahead of that. Sure. Um, I honestly haven't looked into to it that much what the discernation is there, but uh, certainly a hell of a lot of people were watching, and it's amazing how far the Super Bowl has come if you look across the last, you know, 58 years or whatever it is uh, from what it used to be into what it is now. It is truly a global event. And it's truly something that transcends just sports. And, yes, you sprinkle in the Taylor Swift effect 
and it's just going to make those numbers pop even more. Yeah, look, I mean, there, there was a lot there, right? Audience could tune in for a lot of things. Two of the best teams in the league. You had a halftime show from Usher. You had the Super Bowl commercials, and of course, one of the great love stories of our time. But uh, what, did, what did you think about the game itself? Patrick Mahomes gets number three. There's all sorts of offshoot narratives this week. What's your favorite? Uh, were you talking about uh, Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid? That one, too. It looks like they patched things up. That was a nice end of that love story. Uh, I think you have to go with Mahomes just because of what he is on pace to do. I know even before the game, there was the, the, the debate of GOAT or you know not yet kind of raging throughout the, the daytime talk shows. Uh, he is certainly on pace to be. He's just absolutely scorching right now. The tandem of he and Andy Reid, and then you throw in Travis Kelsey, uh, is just not something that we've really seen a lot of in, in different generations of football. And they have a chance to three feet next year, a probably pretty good chance, even though they're not favored, which is hilarious that the 49ers were announced as favorites basically immediately after that game. So uh, I would go with just Mahomes and what he is been able to do uh, basically since he became the starting quarterback in the NFL. It's absolutely absurd, uh, seemingly unprecedented, and we'll see how far he can take it because that's the big thing now is can he sustain that, sustain this pace for 15, 20 years. Okay, so you're ruling out that Bryce Young and the Panthers dethrone the Chiefs next year in the Super Bowl? Is that what you're saying? It's not on your, your <laughs> let's, bingo card? Let's, let's, let's hold off until 2025 for that talk, and that's the other thing. It's uh... like as good as you might feel about your team and your quarterback around the league, you've still got to – you're going to ultimately come to the realization that, oh, that guy's still there doing that. And that's going to make it tough for anybody to break through. Nick Carboni, NBC Charlotte Sports Director, Sports Anchor. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. How good have the Hornets been lately? Man, uh, it's been a completely different team, a completely different environment, a completely different feeling around this franchise. Uh, you know, a couple times yesterday when I was trying to figure out, like, what, what should I say on TV or Twitter or whatever uh, I'm doing or, or even on this program, it's like, you got to keep in perspective. It's two games, but this feels completely different. The direction seems to have shifted. Uh, obviously, it's still all about next year and not what they're going to be able to accomplish this year. I think best case scenario this year is, you know, they, they build some winning habits within some of the young core and they've got some veteran guys that can do that now so i think when you talk about the hornets and the panthers the last couple of weeks there's been this kind of infusion of optimism that hadn't been there for a while for both franchises for very different reasons but with the hornets i mean they they brought in an entirely new bench for steve clifford to deploy and i think that's been uh, really fun for him and i just think that you know they, they've got the a good amount of pieces in place to make make something happen for the next couple of years uh, that they didn't have dating back to last Thursday afternoon. Okay. Is, is, people have been asking me this today. Like Mitch Kupchak stepped down yesterday or they announced that he's moving into an advisory role. Many of us have long assumed that new ownership is going to bring a new coach as well. And I still think that's the more likely scenario. But is there a chance you think that Steve Clifford could be coaching for his job over these next 30 or so? Yeah, and I think that question started really being asked uh, among some of us after the Lakers game last week to see what they almost were able to accomplish there. And, and knowing that Brandon Miller is, is here to stay and going to be good, hopefully for a long time. And now knowing that miles bridges is going to be a part of the core and hopefully getting LaMelo ball and, and Mark Williams back soon. I mean, Steve Clifford didn't become that bad of a defensive coach. Like he didn't become the, the coach of the 30th rated defense in the league. I mean, the, 
I think that had a lot to do with personnel, lack of experience, uh, lack of skill on the bench. Um, and, and, you know, maybe a little bit of a culture lacking too amongst some of the players. So I, I think that if the owners kind of put that all into context and think about it, when Steve Clifford came back, when they, when they came to him on bended knee and basically were like, can you come back and, and try to help stabilize this situation after Kenny Atkinson bowed out of the job, you know, a, a week in, uh, you know, a week later, Miles Bridges got arrested. And then the, and he has not had a full complement of the players that he thought he would uh, the entire time. Uh, this is I'm excited to see, especially if Ball and Williams can come back to close this season, what he can do with with a halfway decent semblance of NBA players. And I think that should be considered. So um, what I'm trying to say is I, I don't think he was as bad as this team kind of made him made him look. I mean they were they were non competitive on a lot of nights, especially when there were injuries to those top line guys. And uh, I, I'm just really excited to see what what he can do the rest of the way here and how the owners view that. Nick Carboni, NBC Charlotte Sports Director, Sports Anchor. He's with us on the Body Works Plus Guest Hotline. Last thing, I'll let you go. Uh, we're we're going to talk a bit later about the Hornets, rather the Panthers and free agency targets. Uh, T. Higgins reportedly going to be franchise tagged, which made some people sad around here. Um, Hassan Reddick says that uh, he might be traded. There's a chance Hassan Reddick could be traded, and boy, wouldn't that be funny. Um, it, w- like in terms of roster priorities, now that we're at this time of year, hell, the Senior Bowl's already over. Roster priorities in free agency this spring. Where would you place that first priority? I would place it on, you know, offense. Obviously, the guys that they have coming up are defensive guys, so those are going to be at the top of the list. You know, Brian Burns, whatever they do, if they work something out with Derek Brown for the future, if J.C. Horn gets the fifth-year option. I think Brian Burns is somebody that you want here. It seems like it's tracking towards a tag. Uh, but to me, the focus of the offseason at large has to be offense. And, you know, uh, I know a lot of people go protection first. Uh, I go skill players first. But you've got to obviously make sure that both are taken care of in some way, shape, or form. Personnel-wise, they might have some of the pieces on the offensive line already here. Personnel-wise, in terms of the skill positions and the weapons around Bryce Young, they really don't have any of those guys here. So to me, that is the top-line priority, that and figuring out one way or or another what you're doing with Brian Burns, preferably for me, keeping him around however you can, uh, at least on the short term. Nick Carboni, thank you, brother. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate you, KB. Thank you. There you go, Nick Carboni, NBC Charlotte, Sports Director, Sports Anchor, with us on the Body Works Plus Guest Hotline. Hour number two in the best audio in sports next on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.